This is Lady Talk Radio, your space for real conversations about real life and real ways to improve yours. What's up? Welcome to Lady Talk Radio. I am your main chick, Stacey Ray, and I'm so excited to be bringing you another episode. Today it's episode number 26 with Emma Brooke. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by WeAreLadyAlpha.com, where we start conversations that empower you and help you think, feel, and live better so you can have the fierce and fulfilling life you want. For the show notes of this episode, anytime, you can simply go to WeAreLadyAlpha.com forward slash 26. So if you aren't already on that page, head over there now. You'll find Emma Brooks' contact information, the deets, all the points to listen for throughout the episode, as well as my contact info. So if you have any questions, if you got some comments, if you had an insight that you got out of this episode, of course, we'd love to hear from you. And if there's something specific that you want covered on this show or somebody you want to see on the show or something, anything like that, just holler at me and let me know. I will make it happen for you. So thanks for leaving those stars and reviews on iTunes. It really does make a difference. It helps other lovely ladies like you find these combos. So, I mean, it's a total no-brainer. So if you are jamming on Lady Talk Radio, if you love it, if you like it, and you're just getting something out of these shows, just takes two minutes. Takes two minutes, you know, doing a good deed, going on iTunes, putting up that little review. So it means the world. Thank you so much, lovely. And today we are jamming on cultivating a healthy relationship with yourself. So we jammed on everything like perfectionism, self-judgment, boundaries, honoring and expressing your feelings, and so much more. And just so many nuggets of wisdom for any woman on the journey of wanting to create more powerful relationships with others and with herself. So I want to tell you a little bit more about Emma before we jump into this. Emma Brooke is a therapeutic life coach who empowers modern multitasking women to take control of their lives so they can create loving and long-lasting relationships without losing themselves in the process, because I know we've all been there. And she's a classically trained therapist and unconventionally trained coach and And when you work with her, she really balances love and support with action and organization and really allows you to gently reclaim yourself and fall madly in love with your life and your relationships. And she is so lovely. I know you are going to absolutely fall in love with her just like I did. So I'm so excited to get into this combo. So let's jump into it. Hey, Emma, welcome to Lady Talk Radio. I am so excited to have you on the show. Why don't we get started by you sharing a little bit about what's going on in your everyday life these days? Okay, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, it's, it's hopefully going to be a really great conversation. Absolutely. Uh, so what is going on with me at the moment? Well, right now I am house-sitting for my parents and animal-sitting. So what that looks like is um, I'm in Wales, so that's where I'm based anyway, which is quite rural. Um, and it's a little country off, off England, for those who don't know, um, with its own language and all sorts of things. But my parents have this really, really beautiful small holding and I'm currently looking after four dogs, three horses, wow. um, and a cat. And uh, so it's been it's been actually really hard work the last few days. More hard work than I thought it was going to be. Um, so I am getting out lots. I'm doing lots of walks, which is actually really good for me. I really enjoy being out in nature, and I love being here. I lived in London for about four years, and I loved it there, but. I was really ready to come home and come back to seeing green fields every day. And mm, nice. uh, yeah, it's just starting to get warm here as well. So hopefully we're coming up to a heat wave. 
which will be amazing because we don't get very many of them in Britain. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. I, I love the sun. I'm like trying to find, I'm trying to organize some time to take a trip back to Italy because I lived there for a, a year, a few years ago. So my friends are still there. And they keep sending me pictures of like them at the beach and how nice it is already. And I'm like, oh, my God, I need to get some flights. Um, so, yeah, that's that's it, really. And then just looking, um, working with some really amazing people and having conversations with people about the next run of my my 12 week program. So um, that's that's it, really. Just really enjoying the the downtime, I think, the the quiet introspective time because we just had that crazy full moon and I think I shed a lot of stuff so I'm very ready for for the next step now I feel a lot lighter Mm, I love that I so hear you on that too that's so interesting (laughs) that you said that wow it sounds beautiful there and uh four dogs I have one dog and that is enough I can hear her rustling around in the backyard right now so (laughs) I can imagine yeah well I it's actually it's five because I have a dog too but oh, my parents okay. actually took one dog with them so I was like oh thank god for that yeah so there's only <laughs> that's funny holy moly you got you got your hands full you got your hands full and you're still showing up in your work and posting stuff and sharing stuff and inspiring clients and doing all this stuff so I'm so excited because I kind of poked through your website and just kind of got a feel about what you're about and I love that you're speaking to a lot of really relevant topics, things that are really going on in women's lives. And and I know we were kind of chit-chatting about that a little mm-hmm. bit before we jumped on. There's, you know, a lot in what you're doing that continuously seems to be showing up in our lives. So I'm really excited to dig into this with you. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's come about a, a kind of, I think there's uh, there's a a critical mass of stuff happening at the moment of people becoming aware of what's going on and and I think there's a lot of people particularly women coming up with the same or coming across the same like blocks or resistance or triggers um and and I think this is why I shifted more to say to really own that I wanted to work with women in this way and work specifically with women because I was uh, a counselor first I'm a therapist and that's how I was trained so I, when I moved back to Wales a couple of years ago, I wanted to do my business online and was doing my business online, but I had, because I was literally the only counselor in the area, whenever I would say, oh yes, I'm a counselor, they would be like, oh, where do you practice? Because I really would, you know, I know somebody who needs counseling, whatever, and there wasn't, there wasn't anybody else there. So in the end, I ended up going, well, I mean, this is silly. I have people who I could help who I'm not helping. So for a year and maybe a year and a half, I was doing face-to-face work, very generalized counseling with anybody who needed support in any area, which was amazing. But I kept being more and more drawn to the women who were going through the particular things, which I think, you know, from what we spoke about, are the things that are coming up more and more like boundaries and relationships and people pleasing and perfectionism and trying to be everything to everybody and and struggling with how to own their power and still be a loving compassionate caring human being and be nurturing in the way that they want to be without losing themselves in the process yeah oh love that I got a little bit of goosebumps as you're describing that because I was like yes that's so good owning our power and still being that nurturing and loving and kind woman that we naturally are you know Mm, so good yeah so good yeah because it's it causes a lot of conflict I think 
Yeah. Confusion. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you're speaking to that. Um, how did this start for you? Like before you became a therapist and all this stuff, like how did you get into this work and where did that passion begin? I think uh, I always remember in school, I loved I loved the psychology aspect. I didn't know it was called psychology. I didn't know what it was, but I loved figuring out what made people tick. Mm-hmm. I loved finding out about the sort of person that they were and what made them do things and what made them behave in certain ways. And that didn't really take hold at all. But I remember doing um, in the UK when we're, we take uh, exams when we're 16 and then we can go on and do another two years and do A-levels. And I did, you take three or four subjects for those two years. And I took business studies. And one of the modules was called People and Organizations, which was basically human resources. It was psychology and business. And I got full marks for that part, that element of the the A-level, which was kind of unheard of because it was an essay structure it wasn't like maths where you get it wrong or right Mm -hmm. um so and I suddenly realized that I could just do that that I could just do human resource management I could just do people in organizations I could just study what made people tick and what made people feel empowered and motivated in their business Mm -hmm. um and that was what I ended up doing at university because At the time, uh, my parents have their own business. So ever since I was a little girl, I I was just indoctrinated into this, well, you will go into the family business. That's what you're going to do. And for a long time, that looked like I was going to take over from my mum, who did finance. And I was dyslexic. So I was like, I really don't see this happening. I'm really (laughs) not that great with numbers. (laughs) I I really know how I'm going to fit in here. so I was led towards a business orientated degree. Um, mm-hmm. And so I didn't really think about it, but I think that definitely the desire to do psychology was there. And had I not had this like whole business career mapped out for me, I probably would have done something like psychology in French or something like that. Cause I love language as well, but I ended up doing human resource management, which was a lot of psychology anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I came out of uni. I had, some very depressive episodes in uni um partly because of past relationships partly because I think I was just feeling quite restricted um and maybe I wasn't doing what I really wanted to do uh and I ended up with I came out of uni I did what I was supposed to do and I joined the family business and it was great on the one hand and on the other hand it I didn't realize it at the time, but it was incredibly restrictive and it was incredibly controlled and it wasn't really what I wanted to do. So I ended up with an eating disorder, like long story short, um, which manifested initially like healthy eating and looking after myself and just gradually became a way for me to feel like I was in control of one aspect of my life. Because when you're, when you're working for a family business, it's, it's all consuming. So it's all you talk about with your family. It's you bring it home, you bring it to work. Um, It influences everything, influences where you live. So I was still close to my parents because it was a brick and mortar business. It influences how much you earn. Like, so your parents are effectively controlling how much you earn. Um, It's a family business. So there's not the same career opportunities and like lateral moves that you would see in other organizations. So 
you feel almost like your life has been taken out of your your hands and I don't want to say that it wasn't amazing because it was but that's I think that's where the, the eating disorder came from um so I was in a very very bad state really and it ended up being that a couple of the directors noticed that I just really wasn't myself and there was something drastically wrong with me and they approached my parents and ultimately I ended up in the in the fortunate position of being able to see a therapist Mm -hmm. and I saw a therapist quite intensely and really cleared a lot of stuff out (laughs) that that had probably been brewing for quite a long time Mm -hmm. that I was completely unaware of as a young you know early 20s woman who seemingly had it all you know I had a house I had a job I had a career I had a car like you know I think I had a boyfriend at the time like everything looked great but inside I was dying because I just wasn't being who I wanted to be or really listening to myself at all and just living my life as other people wanted me to live it so that was my first introduction to therapy in the traditional sense and it really awakened something in me because I I really credit that woman with saving my life because I was starving myself to death you know Mm. um and I didn't have a life even if it wasn't a physical thing which it was at the time unfortunately but um I wasn't living and that was a huge turning point for me and so I I really started working more on myself on a psychological level I've been very interested in spiritual elements and self-development for a long time so that was still ongoing in the background um but it took a few years for me to really truly recover from from the eating disorder clear out everything else that I needed to clear out and also fight with the with the fact that I was like, I don't want to go back to school for another three years. Like, I really don't want to, want to do that. I don't want to go back and study. I did the degree. Like, I I don't want to study. But so I did loads of other stuff instead. So I did like a Reiki certification. I did oh, my cool. yoga teacher certification. <laughs> I did massage certification. I did like <laughs> all these different certifications, which were amazing. But they were like shorter courses because I just wanted to fill this void within me of of helping people Mm. but I I was resisting this I don't want to go back to school for three years but eventually in 2010 I was like oh effort I I have to do this (laughs) nothing else is filling the void so I'm gonna have to do it um so I signed up and it actually took me four years because I took a year out because I was working at the time anyway so by that time I'd moved down to London and Italy and I was still doing my corporate thing um and I got a promotion in between my second and my third year. So I just had to take a year out because I just couldn't do that and my clinical placement. And then I did a, a year in, in bereavement with a, with a centre as part of the Royal London Hospital when I was in London, which was amazing. And spoke to my director, who'd been very, very kind and let me go part time to do my placement. Um and I was like, I, I need to go. And she was like, really? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I've tried, but this is, this is, this is what I need to be doing and I need to be doing it all the time. So, um, yeah, so I moved back up to Wales and quit my corporate job forever. Um, and, and now I'm where I am and it, it took a while and I sort of batted forth between life coaching and therapy and traditional like face-to-face therapy and online therapy, um, 
and now if I feel like I found a really nice balance between the life coaching which I was doing coaching in my corporate role um, as well and the therapy which I feel is so that's my true passion the kind of the clearing out the old and not being afraid to look at the trauma of the past but also not getting stuck in it because I think that's the the worry that you just go over and over and over and over and over again without actually looking forward and shifting your focus from the past to the to the future to the present and then to the future mm-hmm. mm, I love that was hearing... a really long answer sorry <laughs> it was perfect it was perfect I loved hearing about you and I and I think we all can all agree you know like it's nice to to see how that all comes together and we all have that that story of how it all you know progresses and it was really beautiful to hear yours so thank you for sharing Thank you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, thank you. I really enjoy the therapeutic life coaching, you know, kind of how you've, how you've used that because it really does encompass that. And um, I think too, you know, some of the conversations I've had with people about what life coaching is, I think sometimes people think that life coaching is just about moving forward. Like, you know, it's just about getting yeah. the details straight and, <laughs> you know, just taking action, which at its core, you know, a lot of the times some, some people might be coaching that way. Um, but I know a lot of the work I do is similar. It's not, it's not about that. It is about freeing up that space and, and getting what we need and, you know, moving forward from, yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot more, I think there's a lot more um, conversation around personal development and self-development now, and it's less of a taboo. And I think, I definitely think the US is more progressive than the the UK in that regard. I think it's very much still a taboo in the UK. Um, When people talk about counseling or therapy, there are some people talking about it recently, like Prince Harry and Prince William came out and talked about how they got like how Harry got counseling when his mum died, which was amazing. And everyone, yeah. everyone in the counseling world was like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's still, you know, and I, that, that's what really surprised me when I moved back to Wales and, and I actually got business. I got clients. Cause I was like, wow, we're in rural Wales here. I very much doubt anyone's going to come forward for counseling, even though it's confidential, but people did. And I think it's starting to shift and people are starting to become aware that, it can be quite helpful to just have a neutral sounding board and it's not, you don't have to be fit, uh, like broken or yeah. messed up or mental. Um, and I think life coaching has been a huge help in that regard because it's made it a little bit more accessible for people. Mm. Like I think people feel more comfortable saying, Oh yeah, I have life coaching than Oh, I'm in therapy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, it just, but there is a, there's a different, focus I guess and it depends yeah. on I think there's a lot of people there are so many different coaches out there and I just think yeah. I recommend <laughs> yeah. I recommend like a, th- a therapist or a coach or something to everybody yeah. and I just think no matter where you are on your journey it's helpful but you have to find the right one for you because mm-hmm. there's there's so many different types and there's so many different ways of doing it yeah yeah, really, really good point. There are a ton of coaches now, a ton. Yeah. It's crazy. And then there's like coaches that that coach coaches, and there's like coaches that coach coaches how to like have a successful coaching business. It's like it's like all of this mm-hmm. whole thing. It's just crazy. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Um, something that I loved, like I was looking on your Instagram the other day, and I noticed that 
um, and I, I want to speak to this for a second because I think it's a really important conversation for us to start with too, is, you know, how it's not all just about being positive or, you know, just kind of letting it go or, you mm. know, like just focusing on the good. Like you really have, you're really looking at it from a whole, you know, our whole spectrum of our human experience, which I really appreciate. And yeah. I loved that post. I don't remember exactly what you said, obviously, but you, you had spoke to that. Like, it just isn't about being perfect. It's not about being positive. We all go through all the different gradients of being a human being and how normalizing that was, you know? So Yeah. yeah. And I think I, I do remember the post as well, because I, I got on a little bit of a soapbox about it. <laughs> I love it. But um, <laughs> I think... Yeah, I just and it was it was off the back of of a conversation I had with a client um, where she basically said, like, sometimes I feel under pressure to always be positive. And I feel like because we were having a conversation about stuff that had gone on with her and I was encouraging her to to feel into the bad stuff, like to, to say it's it's totally OK that you feel angry about this. Like this is an event that happened in your life and it sucks. And you can express that. It's okay. And and it, it came up and she was like, yeah, but you know, you look at everything in the online world and, and in the self-development world and everyone's like, be positive and be happy and your thoughts create your reality. And I think this is the, the whole Abraham Hicks, like law of attraction movement is amazing. And I love Abraham Hicks, but I think it's been misconstrued in a lot of ways to bypass a really essential part of the human condition, yeah. which is that unless we're, Buddha or Jesus or like Gandhi or an amazing enlightened master who doesn't get the feelings of anger and resentment and pain because they've transcended them we will feel those feelings and if we're feeling them we can't deny them because they're not going to go away Mm -hmm. it's like I, I think we kind of miss that that step and and in thinking that we can that we should ignore the feelings and actually we if they're there for us, we have to feel them. Like just own up to the fact we're not a, a like a God incarnate. Like yeah. we're not, we're not Buddha. We we have yeah. these feelings and shit happens and it, it sucks and it hurts and it's painful. And the only way to move past that and get to the positive feelings, which actually are genuinely positive and genuinely freeing and actually genuinely do create this, you know, better reality that you want for yourself Mm -hmm. is to move through the feeling rather than around it uh, and Mm -hmm. kind of bring it up and deal with it and like journal or go shout at the top of a mountain or like punch a pillow or do whatever you need to do. Cry bucket loads to feel it because that's what makes us human. And, And I think we can't, when we shut off those feelings, like they're the same receptors in our brain that feel bad feelings and feel good feelings if we're shutting down one we're limiting our capacity to feel the good stuff yeah that's so powerful I love what you said like through the feeling you know like I think yeah we are definitely there's some a little confusion out there like to find the silver lining a little too quickly (laughs) you know just get just get to the good stuff and it's like but all of this stuff is here too and I've often found like going through the feeling, being with what's there, 
there's always so, so much, you know, there's so many different like nuances to it all, you know, whether it's just allowing myself to be there and honoring what's coming up, or maybe there's some like deeper learning in there that I really want to get. And if I just bypass that, it's not necessarily going to be the case, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, if bad stuff has happened, which I mean, let's face it, all of us have been through, through trauma. I'm sure you've, you've been through trauma as well, one way or the other. And I think to really, honor that and honor that part of yourself which has been through that rather than deny it and and think about like if I'm not if I'm still angry or if I'm still upset by this there's still more for me to learn from it Mm. and and let me let me honor that and let me speak to that part of myself and speak with that part of myself which is still holding on to this and still holding on to the lesson because you know and I, I love that you said that as well that there's the different nuances of, of the, the human condition and the feelings that we're experiencing and being able to be present with them mm-hmm. instead of running away from them because they are a part of you, whether we like them or not. And nobody likes doing that. Like I sit with my, with my therapist every fortnight and I'm like, and she, she gets me to, to sit with feelings that I'm like desperately trying to push away <laughs> right. because I don't want to feel them because they suck. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and they, they're not fun but I'm like well if they're there then I need to really at the end of the day and anger is one of those that I really struggle with and I think Me a lot too. a lot yeah. of the women on the spiritual yeah. path do yeah. so unspiritual to be angry <laughs> um, it's like just not the done thing we can yeah. cry and we can be like upset and stuff that's a little bit better, but to be angry and be like in a rage just isn't spiritual. Right. And, um, and <laughs> so, so I really that. struggle getting there. Yeah. But I think sometimes it's, it's good to at least give yourself the space and the presence to, to acknowledge and also to acknowledge that it's hard to get there and, and look at that mm. in itself, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And on the other side of it, when we're on this side, I can always like giggle at myself after and be like, ah, oh. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I resisted it for so long, <laughs> you know, like, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. And, and people can hold on to it for years, like yeah. years and years and years. Like I remember when I was doing my bereavement work, I had clients come to me who'd lost people 20 years ago. Mm. And they were just now like some, whatever had happened and it triggered them. And they were like, oh, maybe I've got some unresolved stuff around this that I haven't looked at. And, you know, I just think, look at it now, like life's too short. You know, if you're getting triggered by anything, it's an opportunity to look at it. And if you're feeling burnt out, if you're feeling tired, if your boundaries are getting walked all over, like how long do you want to continue doing that when there could be something better? but I think we, particularly as women as well, we tend to sit with the uncomfortable for a long time before it gets too uncomfortable, before like the, the pain of being in the current situation outweighs the pain of looking at potentially mm-hmm. changing it or looking at what's holding us back. Mm-hmm. I've often been curious about that too, you know, and maybe you have some thoughts on this, like, like, what is it that has us resist so much? Is it that we think that we might get swallowed whole by this experience or that it's wrong? Or like, you know, like, maybe we can just talk on that for a quick second, because I, I often am like really fascinated with that. And I and I see it in, in a lot of conversations showing up like, oh, I can't go there. That's so painful. Or I can't talk about that. That's so, you know, yeah. off limits. 
And that's so true, actually. And I've, I've seen that myself. And I think, like in my own journey as well. And I think there's stuff that I will continue to uncover to my dying day and it will come out and be like (laughs) drip fed to me so that I can cope with it at the time. I do believe that stuff comes up when we're ready so we can Mm -hmm. resist it for a long time and we can live with like uncomfortable situations or being triggered and we can like maybe scrape the surface of things and do some of the work, but do what we're, we're able to deal with at the time, particularly like with extreme trauma that tends to, it may never show up like fully. We may never be fully ready to experience it, but I do think there's, um, so the brain, the way that I like to explain it sometimes is the brain is constantly doing a risk assessment. It's doing like a pros and cons list. Cons, of what of threats and pleasure which is it's you know that's it's it's constantly weighing the pros and of like looking at this and not looking at this mm-hmm. so it's this it's like a scale that has to tip from the uncomfortableness of the current situation and you know are we getting triggered every day is our is our partner like driving us crazy is the anxiety making us crazy are we constantly ruining relationships because we're you know we it's all great and then we get really jealous or really paranoid that they're cheating on us um or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. and that has to reach a certain like threshold and everybody's threshold is different to go you know what I need I I need to look at this or I'm ready to look at this and I think part of my work with my clients is in the first conversation is to I've become better at discerning that partly because of my work with clients and partly because of my work with myself, you know, there, there's sometimes where you get a feeling like this person's really wanting to change, but they're not fully ready to accept the responsibility for that either. Mm. Um, and because it is, it's a lot of responsibility to, to show up and be like this trauma that I've been through or stuff's happened in my life or, you know, my parents taught me this when I was a kid and now I'm suffering because of it to take ownership of that is a really scary concept to actually think wow this is my this is a choice and I think a lot of people they beat themselves up again women maybe more so than men that they haven't got a better handle on it particularly the self-development group of people yeah because they feel like because they're aware of it they should be able to fix it and yeah. fix, I don't like that term because I don't think anybody needs fixing. But, you know, so so many people are like, but I know, I know this is because, you know, when I was growing up, my parents taught me this. Or, you know, I know this is because I got cheated on and now I'm struggling to trust somebody. Like, I know it. Why, why do I keep doing it? And I think that's that's possibly the hardest part. There's like a limbo between becoming aware and being willing to let it go yeah. and that's up to the brain to and up to you to to be swaying the risk assessment in favor of it's okay to be vulnerable again mm-hmm. like it's okay to to let go of this and by letting go of this you're not leaving yourself open to it happening again yeah mm. There was a lot in what you just said that was really juicy. So 
<laughs> I will put some key points to listen for in that spot because there, there was, yeah, you really unpacked that. So thank you for that. That was really beautiful. Sorry. I have a tendency to, to like chuck a lot in there. Please do not apologize. That was so good. I love hearing you talk about it in that way too, because it's like, it's really normalizing it, you know, and I've, I've seen it too in myself mm-hmm. and in a lot of the self-development space you know, of really making some of these things wrong and going, but I know this stuff already, or I should have this figured out by now. Um, Yes. I was saying that to myself, like the entire beginning of this year. And, (laughs) you know, like, I so understand that. And I love that you just, just put it in that way, because it really is that risk assessment and that sway and just allowing yourself to continue to show up and and to be seen and to be vulnerable and and to choose something else. Yeah, because I think, what there's there's a couple of points in there that I think are probably important to make at this stage and one is that this is where the self-compassion comes in yeah because when we're beating ourselves up that there is a part of our brain like the reason that shift hasn't happened if you want it to Mm. um and if you're aware of what it is that's happened like if you're aware of you know oh I have this belief and this is why this happens to me and you've unpacked it a little bit and you know it but it's it's still not shifted for you it's because there is a part of your brain which still thinks it's genuinely protecting you at this stage. Yeah. And that the stuff that's coming up is a protection mechanism. And you may be think, sitting there thinking, this is ridiculous. This is actually making things worse, not better. But there is a, a part of you which is disconnected from that, that logical conscious part of your brain, which thinks it's trying to protect you. So that's where it's really important to do some self-compassion work and try to come instead of from an attack and a belittling and like god this is so stupid why is this still happening to look at it and and I do a lot of um like parts work or, or kind of conversations like dialoguing with that part of you in a very compassionate way and like going mm. and and visualize and you can do this in journaling or like visualization meditation or whatever and actually speak to that part of you and really listen as well instead of going in and being like you're really stupid you need to listen here like this is this is the reality of the situation and instead ask and be like I I see that you're still doing this and I understand that you're doing it because you want to protect me mm. can we talk about that a little bit I want to understand why you feel that it's still important to do this and maybe I can you know, share with you where I'm at now and we can move forward together because it's a part of you. Like yeah. this is, I think so often we separate ourselves from, from parts of ourselves, but it's, it's all in there. We have to take it with us wherever we go. So mm-hmm. it's much better to be in collaboration than fighting each other and having internal conflict with like a part of ourselves, which is genuinely trying to keep us safe. Yet we just keep shutting it down and shouting at it. Yeah. <laughs> resisting yeah yeah Mm, yeah so good I'm loving this conversation so far (laughs) loving it you said something earlier that I was like okay we got to like segue into this because this has been coming up a lot in conversations as well around boundaries and Mm -hmm. you said like if your boundaries are getting stepped all over and I know that there's some confusion around what boundaries are or how to set them how to know if we don't have them that kind of stuff like Mm-hmm. Where do you want to start in terms of talking about boundaries? <laughs> well, it's a huge topic. So you it may is. have to like interrupt me and put some pauses in. Um, <laughs> uh, I So boundaries have come up for me 
a lot when I was so I did a lot of work in the last year to to try and distill some of the patterns and some of the steps that I've been through and some like women like me who I tend to work with um go through and boundaries is one of those huge things that if you're a people pleaser if you um if you kind of like to try and keep everybody happy and be all things to all people if you've ever done any work on what do I want compared to what do other people want for me so for me I did a lot of work around this uh, when I was younger when for example it never really occurred to me to think about what I wanted to do in my career because I was brought up to to just indoctrinated into I would join the family business so that was an expectation that was not mine yet I took on Mm -hmm. so it caused a, a conflict um boundaries I tend to help people identify by saying anytime you feel uncomfortable in a situation or with somebody it's likely that there's some sort of boundary issue going on there and that's a huge term I think there's probably a lot of people sitting there going oh my god I I must have no boundaries (laughs) (laughs) where I feel a bit uncomfortable um so it's a really broad term but um saying yes when we really mean no saying no when we really mean yes um being stretching ourselves too thin mm-hmm. um and being in a position where we feel like we're not really giving our best in any situation or in a particular situation because we're either resentful of the fact that we're doing it in the first place because we don't really want to do it or because we're just stretch too thin um but I think being aware of of any sort of feelings of resentment or frustration about being put in a situation um that's a big boundary issue um for a lot of women uh, a feeling that they've been put in a situation which actually a lot of the time they've put themselves into which is kind of sorry there's like a fly on my face um <laughs> I was worried it was a wasp because <laughs> we no, were talking about the wasp the wasp's so quiet ah oh, thank you um <laughs> he's respecting our space <laughs> yeah he's respecting it um or he's dead somewhere I don't know yeah um but yeah I think the thing about boundaries for me is that and and it's something that I always put at the end, generally towards the end of my work with my clients, because a lot of the times we lack boundaries or we struggle to keep boundaries because we're not really clear on what they are for Mm. ourselves. So boundaries are basically what you will tolerate and what you won't tolerate in your space, in your relationships, in your, the way you work. Um, So if if you're in a relationship and somebody is is always picks the restaurant or always picks where you go for a date and you end up going along with it but you feel really resentful of it or it always ends up being an argument um that's a that's a boundary that you may not have realized was being crossed because for whatever reason you're letting it be crossed and that element comes into play i talk about making boundaries easy and graceful And that can only come when we're really grounded and really solid and really confident in who we are and what we're about and what our boundaries are. So 
you know, being really clear on, on our values, on what's important to us, on our own sense of self-worth and what we are able to contribute and what we're not able to contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, they become really fundamental steps before you get to the boundaries. Because if you're placing a boundary with somebody and you're saying, I'm not going to tolerate being spoken to like that, or, you know, I'm not going to be, you can't just call me out of the blue and say, you need me to come over. This happens with sometimes with friends, like girlfriends, there is sometimes a lot of boundary cross where there'll be a girlfriend who'll just call you up and expect you to drop everything or listen to her problems all of the time, no matter what. And they never ask you how you're doing or they don't kind of risk. And you feel, you end up feeling very resentful. And if you're not really clear, first of all, on what you're able to give emotionally and energetically, then you you can't communicate that. And yeah. even if you do communicate that, you don't uphold it. So a lot of the time people say, well, you know, I said I set the ground rules and I said this had to happen. But then, you know, things just slipped and it just happened again. And like, I, I really struggle to hold the boundaries because the thing with boundaries is you, you have to uphold them. So there has to be consequences if people break the boundaries and you have to honor them in yourself. So you have to like, if you've said to a friend or like whether you've said it or whether you've set yourself energetically up to send that message out there to them, that you won't tolerate just, you're not just going to come and find them at the drop of a hat when they need you. You're not going to be so available to them and that you're going to check in with yourself first and check if you have the energy to cope with their, whatever drama they're going through that day. Um, If they then call you up and you're like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. I'll come around right now. They, they don't know they've done anything wrong. Yeah. Like they're not crossing a boundary because you've not really set one. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lot of responsibility around um, owning that. And in order to own it, you need to know what it is. Mm-hmm. So taking the time to really work on your self-worth, work on your grounding of who you are, getting really clear on what you're about, what is important to you, um, what your values are, what you will tolerate, what you won't tolerate. Um, and I do a lot of exercises in this in, in my program as well to, to really drill down. So you get really, really clear on where you stand, because if you're really clear on where you stand, boundaries happen almost automatically. Yeah. Like yeah. they, you, you don't get walked all over because you know where you are. And if somebody crosses that line inadvertently, they, they will know very quickly that they crossed a line and that that's not acceptable to you. And they'll know because well, not necessarily they'll get punished. Like we're not talking about. Mm-hmm. But it, I I liken boundaries very often to training a dog. <laughs> that sounds really crazy, but, but that's really accurate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you have to. You know, it's not necessarily negative reinforcement, but you you know, the dog learns through mm-hmm. you being loving and compassionate and knowing that you know, they're not allowed to jump on the bed or they're not allowed to snatch the food from your hand because when that happens, you don't let them do it. You, Mm -hmm. something is put in place and your energy is such that you're standing up as the leader, as an owner of your own space and your own shit 
and like they respect that I think I listened to an interview with Caesar Milan you know the dog whisperer yeah yeah he's amazing Um, (laughs) yeah I love him um I think he he's got the sexiest voice as well. <laughs> I think it was on like Lewis Howe's um, <laughs> podcast a little it. while ago. Lewis Howe's or Tim Ferriss, one of the two. I love their podcast. And um and I hadn't listened to him for ages. And he was talking again about the energy of being a leader. Yeah. And the presence that you hold, and that mm. it's not really about what you say necessarily or what you do when you're training a dog. It's about holding this energy of. Mm. don't invade my space don't take me for granted and that really it really resonated with me about boundaries as well because it's when you have that presence and you know who you are people do tend to respect it and and instead of trying trying to like make rules and then trying to hold yourself accountable to the rules that you set for yourself it's much easier to go back a step and focus on getting your confidence in your self-worth up yeah. and right and then looking at what you stand for and then the boundaries will come naturally as a as a kind of next step yeah i love that what i was getting as you were describing that too was like the difference between fully owning that and being in your power and your and your worth and and like knowing yourself versus like trying to force it it was like that forcefulness yes. of like setting rules and then trying to keep them in place like yeah. yeah, which is not fun. No. And I think anybody who's tried to do that, who's been, I think probably all of us have been in relationships where where <laughs> our boundaries have been crossed. Yep. And we're like, no, I'm not I'm not gonna stand for this. And I'm gonna make sure that like he's not gonna do this to me again. You know, if he does this, then this is what I'm gonna and you make all these like promises to yourself about what mm. you're gonna do if if he, you know, goes AWOL again or does it or you know, cheats on you again or whatever it might be. And because you haven't convinced yourself fully, mm-hmm. one, he knows that. Like subconsciously, he's got that energy that, you know, he can get away with it. Yeah. And so why wouldn't he? Like at the end of the day, um, why, why wouldn't those boundaries be crossed? And then it happens again and you're like, oh, damn it. Damn it, he crossed my boundary. And now I have to do something, but I really don't want to do something. So I'm just going to let it slide again. Because I wasn't convinced in the first place. Because I wasn't convinced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's all this like force. And then you beat yourself yeah. up because yeah. it happened again. Yeah. And and I'm just like, every time that happens, you're getting nearer and nearer to, to that threshold that we talked about earlier of mm-hmm. at what point does the the pain and uncomfortableness get to a point where we're where we're willing to kind of own it and look at it and go, right, well. I don't want this to happen anymore. And I, I'm willing to actually do the work to, to shift it. And when you're really solid, like uh, with a lot of abused women and, and men in relationships, when they, when they finally get to a point where they're like, I'm done, which is very difficult in, if you're in an abusive, abusive relationship. And if you've ever been in one, like, you know, psychologically, you're so worn down that your yeah. sense of self-worth is so low that it's very difficult to hold those boundaries. But if you get the support, you get the wherewithal to really get to a point where you can, your self-worth is saying to you enough is enough. Then you make a decision and it's like done. And when you're really clear and solid in that decision, the boundary happens mm-hmm. because it's like, it's black and white then there's no gray area this is what's acceptable this is what isn't if the person in your life has has crossed that boundary then then that's not right and that that has to change yeah 
I can even feel the difference as you're describing it. Like even just energetically as you're saying, okay, if I did it this way or if I do it this way, it's such a different energy behind it, you know? Mm. And yeah, power versus force. That's what I keep getting as you're describing it. Like trying to power, like actually accessing our power as a force of boundary versus trying to force the boundary. Yeah. Mm, and so it's good. like that that empower that you talk yeah. about, like that yeah. being in your in your own mm-hmm. power and just holding it. You don't have to push mm-hmm. anything. You don't have mm-hmm. to like set the boundary even necessarily. It just happens. And that's a much easier place to do that work from yeah. than it's it it feels like it's backwards trying to if people are like, you need to set the boundary and you need mm-hmm. to you know, which our girlfriends tend to do with us. Like let's let's be honest, and I do it with my girlfriends as well. I'm like you need to tell him that he needs yeah. to no, like, no, you you need to really believe that you're worthy of more. And when you do believe that, then that will happen anyway. Yeah. So good. Thanks for clarifying that, Emma. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pleasure. Yeah. So I want to hear more about the work that you do too, because I know that there's other stuff that you do, um, you know, in, in terms of like what, how you serve women, what kind of programs you run and stuff like that. Let's speak to that so that women can... And the listeners can really plug into that and see if it's a fit for them. Okay. Um, well, I I work online. So I work with women from all over the world. And I've, I've narrowed that down. I've put my own boundary in place over the last <laughs> sort of six months or so. Because as I said, I was working with, with anybody and everybody face-to-face and online. And I really decided that I fully resonated with, with the modern woman and the struggles that she was going through. Because as with many coaches and therapists, we we resonate with people who are going through a similar thing to what we've experienced. So I realized that a lot of the women who were coming to see me were having difficulties either in relationships or they had a problem attracting a, a man or mainly, I mainly work with heterosexual, heterosexual women, but they had a problem attracting the quote-unquote right type of partner because Mm. they always you know attracted the wrong type of partner or the partner who um you know was going to treat them badly or whatever or they were in a relationship and they were getting to the stage where they really recognized that they were putting themselves so thinly because they were trying to be everything they were trying to be the career woman and the the sexy wife and the loving mother and the you know supportive partner and the best friend with the girl group and the you know the sisterhood and they were you know tapping into like everything and anything and really finding that they were falling short of that and then beating themselves up for it and and really struggling um from a from mainly from a relationship perspective but Mm. more so obviously that comes down to yourself and where you're at yeah um so that just that feeling of overwhelm and I remember that so well from when you know when I when I ended up not eating because when you seem like you have everything you feel like you have so much more to lose and there is this kind of keeping up the pretense keeping up the show of you know everybody telling you that you have everything and everything is going so well and and it can look like that from the outside, but underneath it all, you're like the the duck on the water with the legs frantically paddling towards like burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, and really recognizing that you're not showing up and being present and wanting to be and then beating yourself up about that as well. Um, so I kind of discovered that a lot of the 
the things that I was going through with these women was quite similar. So, and they were quite, there were a lot of similar things, themes, and a lot of it was around obviously self-worth and self-love, but it was about getting really clear on who they were to the point where they could execute these boundaries um, and, and forward think and get through the trauma and the judgment and the forgiveness to a point where they could look forward and kind of do the law of attraction stuff and the mindset stuff. So it's taking, taking you from the, the sort of overwhelm phase all the way through to the other side. So I tend to work with women for, for three months and I have some, some other programs which are a little bit different, but my main program is called Clarity, Compassion and Confidence. So it's a 12 week program and I teach a lot of the like teaching tools in um, audio format in a workshop format. So there are three workshops. And then in between, we do the one-to-one work because I'm, I'm the therapist at heart. So I really love the one-to-one work. Yeah. <laughs> so I can like, I can preach on this stuff for ages and I love it. And I love having this conversation with you, but I really love getting deep and dirty and, and into the, the present of what's going on for that person. And I really believe that our you know, every experience that's coming up for us in the moment is a teaching opportunity. It's coming up for us because it's there for us to learn from. So I like being able to have that conversation with my clients and be like, right, what is coming up for you this week? What are we, what are we looking at and how can we look at that? Um, And so it's really about taking the time to tap back into our feelings, do that whole missing feelings piece where we look at, maybe what's been trapped, what's been left behind, what's been denied to release it. Um, Doing a big piece on judgment because as women, we either, I think we judge everybody else and we also feel judged, Mm -hmm. which is a really nasty cycle. And then judge ourselves for judging and call ourselves not spiritual (laughs) because we judged people. (laughs) Layer upon layer upon layer. (laughs) Just keep it going. Just keep on piling it on. Um, and, and really, really allowing that to step off a little bit and doing the compassion piece and be like, yeah. okay, the only way you're going to move forward is to give yourself a break um, and doing some forgiveness work. And then, then like I said, getting to that place where you feel comfort, confident and comfortable in who you are so that you can identify your boundaries and be able to have the presence to hold them. And that gives you then the space to look forward and do the the more of the mindset work more of the this is how energy is attracted to you this is how to feel really good about where you are and to be able to move forward in a really positive way mm-hmm. um so that you have all the tools that you need to move forward like wherever you want to go however you want to get there whatever looks good for you mm-hmm. um so it's not necessarily, I don't necessarily work with, like, I know a lot of coaches work with coaches. Um, I don't necessarily work with coaches. I just work with women who are, normally the symptom is that they're experiencing that emotion or that relationship issue in one way or another. Either they have the relationship, um, but they're feeling strained in it. They're not able to be present in it. Um, they're feeling anxious or jealous or whatever, or they are looking to maybe get into a new relationship but they're worried that they're going to repeat the patterns from the past of either picking somebody who isn't a this stable you know reliable kind caring human being that they they want 
um, or that they're going to just mess it up, um, which is, as women, again, we berate ourselves a lot. So, um, yeah, women who are at that stage who just really want to clear out all the baggage and do a whole big reset and come back to who they are and what they're about and how they can move forward confidently. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. <laughs> and we, in the show notes, we will put links to, to everything that Emma has, has talked about and her social media and her course and everything. So you guys will be able to reach out to her. And of course, I mean, and I, and I want to speak for you in this, but definitely pipe up if I'm, if I'm putting words in your mouth is like, I know that, that we love to hear from the listeners. So if you have something that you get out of this episode, you know, if there's a question or an insight that you want to share, or if you just, if something that she said just really landed for you, um, we both love to hear from you, (laughs) you know, I think anytime we have these conversations, we want to know what you get out of it. So reach out to Emma, go check out her social media, get connected with her. She's amazing. This has been such a phenomenal conversation. I feel like we could just do this all the time and I could pick your brain more (laughs) because there's so much that you're up to and I love it. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your heart and your wisdom with us. It has been absolutely wonderful. Oh, thank you so much for holding the space and like letting me chat on for for an hour or so. So it's been really wonderful. And yeah, I really appreciate you and your work as well. Thank you. And thank you so much for tuning in, ladies. And we will talk to you next week. 